0: Well, amen. That was good. Thank you so much for that. Well, we're in for a real treat. It's it's my honor and privilege, really, to have Brother Sisk. I always wanted to. Uh, I, I remember saying years ago, if I'm ever pastoring again, I want to have Brother Sisk in my church. And we tried to schedule him a couple of years ago and weren't able to work things out. And then this year, he's he broke his hip earlier in the year, so he's he's had some difficulties recovering. And my goodness, he got up early this morning, flew from Detroit um, and, uh, to get here. And then, uh, my, what a, what a schedule he keeps at his uh, young age. And uh, I, I won't get into that with him, but he's also a diehard Kentucky fan. And uh, so, I'm, I, really, I'm telling you, it's, it's a blessing to have him. And as far as ministry goes, to be honest with you, he's, he's a hero. Uh, he really is. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't state enough about what this man and uh, his precious wife have done through the many, many years uh, of ministry, and uh, I'm sure you'll get to hear more of that while he's here with us these few days. I hope you'll take the time to greet him and meet him while he's here with us. It's our. It is our high privilege to have Dr. Don Sisk with us. Brother Sisk, you come and you speak tonight.
1: Thank you, Pastor Mason. It would uh, be superfluous for me to say that I'm glad to be here because at my age, I'm glad to be anywhere in the world, okay? (laughs) Uh, Last night, I was in uh, the uh, Lewis Avenue Baptist Church in Temperance, Michigan, right on the state line of Ohio. And uh, we ate uh, our dinner last night in the uh, basement of the church with all the missionaries and staff and so forth. As I was going up the steps to the uh, auditorium, there was a beautiful little girl, about four years old, three or four years old, at the top of the steps. And she looked at me and she said, uh, you look old. <laughs> and I said, "Hun, the reason I look old is because I am old, Okay. <laughs> But uh, it is a joy to be here with you, and and, and it's always a joy to be with missionaries. Uh, I, I do not keep records. I've never kept a journal. I wish I had a, but I guess I was too lazy. Anyway, I didn't do it. But uh, somebody has uh, figured out that I've preached in over 1,600 mission conferences. And uh, that's a lot of conferences, okay? And I've met a lot of missionaries, and every time I see a missionary and they show their presentation, and and they tell about what God has laid upon their heart, it always thrills me because I know that if they go there and do what God's told them to do, guess what? Some people are going to get saved, and uh, some churches are going to be established, and some lives are going to be changed, and some young people are going to be trained for the work of God, so uh, it's a great blessing to be here with uh, uh, all of the missionaries and Pastor Mason, thank you so much for the invitation to come and be with you. Open your Bibles tonight to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 24. And you will recognize that this is right after the most unjust trial in the history of mankind. Everything about the trial of Jesus Christ was illegal, okay? Okay. And uh, that didn't matter to them. The, the thing that they were concerned about was just, in way, one way or another, to get rid of him. Uh, a, after they had had a choice of releasing a prisoner, which was a custom, and there was a prisoner by the name of Barabbas, murder, insurrection, all kind of bad things, a very infamous man. And then there was Jesus Christ, the perfect son of God. And they said, release unto us Barabbas. But what are we going to do with Jesus? Let him be crucified. Then notice what Pilate did. When Pilate saw that that he prevailed nothing, Pilate tried to tell him he's done nothing wrong, but he prevailed nothing. But there rather a tumult was made he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See you to it. Then answered all of the people and said, His blood be upon us and our children. Then Released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him unto the to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the prisoners took Jesus unto the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had planted a crown of thorns, they put it upon him. And in his hand a reed to the right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him. And took the reed and smote him in the head. Drop down to verse 35. And they crucified him. And they crucified him. I want you to quote a verse of scripture with me tonight. Every one of you have memorized this verse of scripture. If you've been in church, you've been in Sunday school any time, And you know what it is, okay? I want you to quote with me John 3, 16. Okay, altogether. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, in John 3:16, there are some great words, many, many great words, for God so loved the word love. The world billion people at this time. But, man, he, he loved everybody that has ever been here or everybody that will ever be here. That he gave, that's a great gift. His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. That whosoever, and that's a great word, believeth on him, should not perish, would not go to hell, but have everlasting life. And that's a great gift, amen? But you know, there's a word in there that we just usually just skip over. And that's the word I want us to think about tonight. It's the little word soul. For God so loved the world. Now, I've often thought, if I or if you could really comprehend the meaning of that little word soul, I believe it would radically change us. Think about it. For God so loved the world, and the world there means the world of mankind. And you know what that means? That means that God loves everybody in the world. It does not matter about the color of their skin. It does not matter about their culture. It does not matter about their moral condition. It does not matter about their educational attainment or lack of attainment. It does not matter about any other factor. The Bible simply says, God so loved the world. And by the way, God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to leave heaven in all of its glory and come to this earth and suffer and bleed and die for mankind. The Bible says in John chapter 2, Little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. That's God's goal for all of us. But if any man sin, okay, and thank God in J- John chapter 1, he said, if you have, he say you have no sin, you lie and the truth is not in. But if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive your sin and forgive you from all unrighteousness. But here he says, little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Somebody as well said, if you want to go to heaven, you better get yourself a good Jewish lawyer, okay? By the way, his name is Jesus, okay? (laughs) He's the only one that can get you there. But then the next verse says, and he, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Think about that. When Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross, His rich, red, royal blood was sufficient to redeem everybody that had ever lived, was living then, or would ever live. He's a propitiation for our sins. Thank God for that, amen. But not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. God is not slack concerning his promises, some in time, but his long-suffering joy, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, Christ Jesus the man who is, died for our sins and he died for the sins of all men. And by the way, the Bible is filled with verses that teaches us very plainly that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. Now, to help us understand the meaning of that little word, soul, look at your Bible again in Matthew chapter 27. And imagine God the Father and God the Son. God the Father is in heaven. God the Son has become man and living here on the earth. And they take Jesus and they scourge him. And you know what that means. They put his face to the wall. A Roman soldier takes a whip with a steel ball on the end with protruding points. And 39 times comes down the back of the prisoner. By the way, many times the prisoners died with scourging. Many times their internal organs were torn out. But by the time they got through with the scourging, his back looked more like a piece of hamburger than it did the back of a human. And then they take him, and they put a scarlet robe on him. Imagine. And then they plant a crown of thorns. He says he's a king. Let's crown him. They plant a crown of thorns, and they put that crown of thorns in his brow. Perhaps you've been out picking roses and just prick your finger with the rose bush. But imagine a crown of thorns on your head. The blood. Then of all the things, they hit him and then they spit in his face. Can you imagine that? The creator is being spit on by the creature. Now imagine. All Jesus had to do was speak one word and every one of those people would have been dead. But he didn't say a word. God the Father looks from heaven. Imagine, man, your son is being treated that way and you have the power to release him. Every one of us would do everything we could to release him. But God the Father watches Beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ, suffer and bleed in that way. And says nothing. Why? For God so loved the world. Think about it. He loved you that much. He loved you that much. He loved you. He loved. Imagine. God loved me so much. And God loved you so much that he allowed his son to be treated in that way. Because God the Son and God the Father knew that Jesus was becoming sin for us. Now, thank God he had no sins of his own. He did not become a sinner, but he became sin. For he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God through him think about it God so loved the world what would happen what would happen if you're at Timberline Baptist Church every one of us would somehow get a better meaning of that little word so what would it do what would it do Number one, I believe it was caused us to give our unconditional worship to him. In the seventh chapter of Luke, and I'm not going to read it, but you know the story. A Pharisee had invited Jesus to dinner and uh, the Pharisee did basically nothing for him. But there was a noted sinner in that town and this noted sinful woman came in there and uh, when she saw Jesus, she, she fell at his feet and she, she began to weep and she washed his feet with her tears and took her hair and dried his tears or dried his feet. And she anointed him with the precious ointment that she had. And then she got down on the floor and she kissed his feet. That's worship. Now, thank God we come together and we worship God. We have worship services. But sometimes if we would ever get the meaning of how much Jesus loved me and how much God loves you, I believe it would make us many, many times fall at his feet and worship him. By the way, the Pharisee said, wait a minute. Uh, if he knew this woman, if he knew what she was, he would not have permitted her to do this. But by the way, he did know her, amen. He knew her brokenness. He knew her tears of repentance. He knew her admiration for him. He knew all of those things. And by the way, he desires all of those things. God Almighty the Lord Jesus Christ desires our worship and he deserves our worship. If I could get a hold of the meaning of the word soul, if I could comprehend it better, it would change me completely. Number two, it would mean that I would give him my unconditional service. My unconditional service. Open your Bibles to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. Just keep your Bibles open there for just just a minute. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, the Apostle Paul, by the way, from the time that he was converted on the road to Damascus until his head was severed in a Roman prison. He had one great passion. And that passion was to make Christ known to every man on the face of the earth. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14, the Bible says, now listen to it very carefully. For the love of Christ." Constraineth me, Paul. What keeps you going? Uh, people don't necessarily like you. You get put in jail. You, you you've been beaten. You you've been scourged time after time. You've been shipwrecked. You've gone through all those other things. What keeps you going? What keeps you going? And Paul said, "For the love of Christ constraineth us. For we thus judge." That if one died for all, then all were dead. And that he died for all. And Paul would say to us, it's the love of Christ that constrains me. Oh, Paul, it's your love for Christ that keeps you going. It's your love for Christ that motivates you. It's your love for Christ that makes you persevere regardless of what's happening. And Paul would immediately, no, 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 no. You got it wrong. I do love him, but my love is not what it ought to be. It is not my love for Christ that keeps me going. It's the realization that Christ loves me that keeps me going. For the love of Christ constrains us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul gives us reason after reason after reason why we should serve him. For instance, in verse 8, he says we're going to heaven. One day we're going to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. By the way, since we are going to heaven, then should we not do anything God wants us to do while we're here on the earth? We're not going to be here very long. and We're going to be in heaven with him for eternity. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. In verse 10, he says that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. In other words, Every one of us, one day, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl is going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and we are going to give an account for him, for the things done in the body, whether it be good or bad. Wait a minute. The realization of the judgment seat of Christ should motivate us, should compel us to say to him, listen to him. Dear God, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll be anything you want me to be. I'll say anything you want me to say. I'll give anything you want me to give. Should that not be our attitude? We're going to heaven. We're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 11 talks about the terror of the Lord. Men are dying and going to hell. Therefore, we should serve the Lord. The latter part of the chapter, he said, we're ambassadors for Christ. God has given us a big job. Every born-again child of God, you are representing the Lord Jesus Christ wherever you go. That's a big job. And there's reason after reason after reason that we ought to just keep going and do all that we can to get the gospel to as many as we can. But the ultimate reason is the love of Christ. All of these are good reasons. But Paul said the bottom line is it's the love of Christ. The realization that Jesus loves me. I'd like to sing a little song. Let's sing it. We teach our children this song. Hey, by the way, we're children. Amen. Let's sing it, okay? Sing with me because I'm not much of a singer, okay? Jesus loves me, this I know For the Bible tells me so Little ones to him belong They are weak, but he is strong Yes, Jesus loves me Yes Jesus loves me. Yes Jesus loves me. The Bible If I can comprehend the word so in John 3:16 I'll give my wholehearted worship to him. If I can comprehend the word so in John 3.16 I'll give him my unconditional service. By the way I think if we did that there'd be a lot more people going to the mission field. I think there'd be a lot more young men that would be giving their lives to preach the gospel. And I close with this. If I could get a the meaning of the real meaning of the word soul in John 3, 16. It would mean that I would be less egocentric, self-centered, and I would be more Christ-centered. Paul got it. And then Paul could say, for me to live is Christ. If I could get a, a. a good comprehension of the word. So it would mean that we would be less concerned about what I want to do, where I want to live, the kind of life that style that I want to have, and I would be more concerned about doing whatever God wants me to do. If I could get a hold of the meaning of that word it would mean that I love what Jesus loves and I would hate what Jesus hated. If I could get a hold of the meaning of that word, it would mean that I would be less concerned about living the American dream and I would be more concerned about fulfilling the Great Commission. Mission Conference. Jesus, Jesus that loves you, Jesus that loved me so much, in his post resurrection ministry, time after time after time, has said to his disciples, I've done everything that needs to be done in order for mankind to be saved. Now, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. To every creature. But you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me. Both in Jerusalem and Judea. Samaria. And the uttermost parts of the earth. And by the way. As soon as he said that. He was taken up into heaven. Think of the song. What a great song. Listen to it. Again, don't worry, I'm not going to sing. The song goes like this, okay? Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the love that brought it down to man. Think about that. The love that drew salvation's before there was ever a world, God foreordained that his son, Jesus Christ, would leave heaven and come to this earth and suffer and play and die so I could be saved, so you could be saved. You'll see Brother Caleb's video. You've seen it, some of you. When I saw it, and I saw this man that looked into Caleb's eyes after he had tried to tell him in the little language that he knew there in the Congo. Jesus loves you. Jesus can help you. And the man looks at him and says, yes, Who is Jesus. Who is Jesus? Think about it. There are people in the world. By the way, they're in all of these countries these missionaries are going to. There are people in our own area that knows nothing about the true gospel message. Who is Jesus? Brother Caleb, ever since I've seen that, I've thought a thousand times or more Wouldn't it be wonderful if we who know the love of Jesus would so give ourselves unreservedly unto him that no one in the whole world could say, who is Jesus? You say, that's a pipe dream. No, no, it's not a pipe dream. Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, and whenever he says something, then it's not impossible. In the mission conference this year, I trust that each of you will pray and ask God, Dear God, what is my part in reaching the entire world with the gospel message? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to give? What do you want me to be? For God so loved the world. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Pastor.